Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Welcome. My guest today is Janie Lee Grace. She's an Amazon number one best-selling author, a UK-based BBC presenter, the host of the Alcohol-Free Life podcast, and the founder of The Sober Club. Janie is a leading voice in changing the conversation around alcohol and the author of the book, Happy, Healthy, Sober, Ditch the Booze and Take Control of Your Life. She's also trained in NLP, EFT, and recovering coaching and gave a TEDx talk, Sobriety Rocks. So if you've quit the booze or are sober curious or are thinking about reducing your alcohol intake, Janie's work will bring you tips, advice, and motivation, and most importantly, celebrate self-care in recovery. And one of the many reasons that I'm very excited to talk to Janie is she also toured the world as a backup singer with stars including George Michael and Wham and Boy George. And growing up, my sister and I were huge, I mean, really big George Michael and Wham fans. George Michael's Faith was one of my very first concerts. And Make It Big by Wham was my first album I ever um, owned. So Janie, when I when I read that, I was just totally fangirling. Oh, on you. my dim and distant past. Yeah, I, I know, know. It's amazing. I've been thinking about it quite a, a bit recently because I've just been asked to do a few little documentaries. I did something for ABC Television and uh, something else in the in the UK here. Just who wanted little clips of of you know because they were doing something around an anniversary with with George and it's always quite interesting because you know the producer will often ring me and say will you um contribute to this piece and I'm always really straight up and I always say well I will but only if you know right up that I ain't going to say anything negative so if you're looking for dirt you (laughs) don't come to me you know you're not going to find it um so uh yeah so I've I've ended up in the on the cutting room floor a few times because that probably wasn't (laughs) controversial enough but I don't have anything negative to say, so yeah. I'm not going to make anything up, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was an amazing time. Yeah, that's so exciting. I just like the China tour. I I was watched that VHS video. Oh, on did you? TV. The one in China. We oh, owned it. Was it such so. Well, you know that that was meant to be a full length feature film. In fact, oh, we really? went to China. We were the very first Western mm-hmm. band to play China. I mean, absolutely bonkers when you think about it because it was before all the changes in China I mean that was a long time ago right and 
and we were the very first Western band to ever go there, Wham, Wham were. And, and so it was very odd. Everything about it was very odd. But we flew out, like, I mean, hundreds, literally hundreds of people because they were filming a full-length feature film. But then what happened was they got they saw the first few rushes and George hated his hair. Right. I mean, as you do, that's that's yeah. proper pop star behavior. Right. Yeah. So he kind of flew his sister out, who's a hairdresser, to sort it out. But really, they'd lost so much footage. Yeah. That it, and, and then there were all kinds of other falling out, <laughs> falling outs going on with with film crews. Um, so it ended up just going straight to sell through as a as, as a video. Oh. Actually, I think probably more people saw it that, that way anyway. So Yeah, fun. no, that's interesting because I vividly remember his like highlighted hair yeah. <laughs> in that video. But yeah. that is not why we're here to talk no. about it. Um, I, I, as I mentioned before we jump on, I'm a huge fan of your work, um, your books and your podcast, The Alcohol-Free Life. And I wanted to bring you on to talk about your story, gray area drinking, the importance of connection, and the words you use about ditching the booze versus mm. giving up anything. Because yeah, yeah. I think it's really refreshing and important. So mm. to start, if folks don't know you who are listening to this, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Mm. Yeah, sure. So I have been... Um, interested and and really an expert in inverted commas in optimum health and wellness you know holistic living um for years and years i wrote my first book uh 16 years ago imperfectly natural woman i sometimes joke that i was um so ahead of my time that i was kind of writing about coconut oil and kale before they had their own publicists you know <laughs> now everyone does of course but back then I was one of the few people doing this stuff in a very relatable way so I literally was queen of it all organic food and skincare without chemicals and cleaning your home without chemicals and eco fashion and every single thing you could think of I was queen of holistic living yet I was stepping around this massive elephant in the room that was booze and when I look back, I think, my goodness, how can you have been so incongruent? You know, there was just no authenticity there. And it was just fascinating. I suppose I thought it was my treat, you know, my reward at the end of a busy day. And because it was normal, it was seen as normal. So, of course, I would care about what I put on my skin and what I ate. But when it came to the booze, well, that didn't count because everyone did that. And that was a treat. And of course, there were this many news articles that said it was good for me. You know, mm -hmm. I love those news articles that said a glass of red wine is good for your heart. I mean, we know it's absolute BS, you know, have a grape if you want that. But uh, but at the time, I kind of inhaled these those news items. and Wow, fantastic, you know. And fortunately, because I was otherwise healthy and I was having a decent number of supplements and all the rest of it, I remained well and functioning and I'm grateful for that, you know, and I think pro probably that saved me, to be to be honest, when you consider the years of abuse I was putting my body through. I mean, it took a long time for me to cotton on to this. I mean, I had years and years and years of having moments of, of sanity when I would kind of think something isn't right about this. This this isn't OK. This is not authentic with who you're meant to be. <laughs> Doesn't feel quite right. And of course, I was waking up at 3 a.m. every single day, pretty much hating myself. But then by six o'clock the next night, everything seemed fine again. And the wine witch would say, you know, God's sake, you're so busy and you're mom and you're this and that. And come on, you know, you need a glass of Sauvignon. And so it would all just start again, really. 
And, you know, it wasn't until I, I mean, there's always a light bulb moment, isn't there, for, for, for people, whatever it is, the thing that the catalyst that, that, you know, that, that sort of tips everything over the edge. And for me, I knew something had to change. I really knew, but I didn't know anyone else like me. I, I, in the UK, definitely, we are brainwashed, I now believe, into thinking that there are two types of drinkers. There are those at rock bottom who um, absolutely need alcohol services, rehabilitation. I knew that wasn't me. I was perfectly fine. You know, every, everyone else thought I was fine anyway. Nobody would have known there was an issue. And we think that there are people who need those alcohol services and then there's everyone else and everyone else is 100% fine, just occasionally gets drunk. But I wasn't that either. And so I had no idea that other people felt the same way. No idea. And then I was given Claire Pooley's book to read, The Sober Diaries, just before Christmas, um, twenty at the end of 2017. And the when we when you work in radio, if you're lucky enough to be get to be given a, a book to read, it's normally the night before if you're very lucky. But we were interviewing Claire in the January of the following year, so we were given two weeks to read the book. So I look at the title of this book and I remember really clearly thinking the minute I looked at this title, The Sober Diaries, um, I thought, oh, wow, wow, this is probably kind of meant to be. So, of course, I didn't even pick it up till after Christmas. I didn't want to ruin it. Right. Um, But the minute I started reading that book, I think I knew I think I knew right right then that it was time. I, I, I suddenly caught sight of someone else like me, no, no rock bottom no um no long term you know illness just someone just a busy mum drinking too much needing to get out the trap and i caught sight of that better life and i'd never ever thought about that before it had, in the past it had always seemed well my god why would i want my life to be worse how am i going to cope without drink i can't just can't imagine who i can become without it you know so when I kind of caught sight of that better life, that was that was the the little the catalyst that I needed to to get started, really. When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. Tanasi creates the highest quality, scientifically validated CBD and hemp extract products. Tanasi's formula includes a unique combination of CBD and CBDA in every dose, which is two times more effective than just CBD alone. So if you want to create a sense of calm, to calm your mind, to relax before bed for a great night of sleep, try Tanasi. Tanasi's being really generous with our listeners. You can go to Tanasi.com and use code HELLO to get 25% off at checkout right now. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting because I I interviewed Claire on this podcast as well and reached out to her pretty much because 
the Sober Diaries was also really important in helping me decide to stop drinking. Mm -hmm. And it's also one of the first books that I recommend, especially to working women or women who have been in the working world previously with smaller children. Yeah. Because I think you're exactly right. You know, there, you know, are a spectrum of gray area drinkers. And we in the United States also tend to put people in a category, right? Either you're an alcoholic Mm. or you don't have a problem or people tell you to drink less. And I do think it's very important to find women that you relate to who have stopped drinking and say that it's better on the other side, even if they love drinking. So I love that. I think it's important. And I think it's important about the work you're doing, you know, talking to, to people about stopping drinking life on the other side, being happier, and health and well being. Mm. Well, I think, you know, for me, I, I, I quickly realized, well, actually, not that quickly. <laughs> but over time, it came to me that this was way more than just not doing something. <laughs> you know, that's just the beginning. It's, it's literally the most important thing you will ever do for your health and well being. You know, I have clients sometimes who'll say to me, oh, I really want to to stop drinking and I'm I'm going vegan. I'm trying really hard to be vegan and I'm taking up exercise and I've gone sugar free and I'm also trying to be kind of raw at the moment. And I'm like, just enough already. This is the most important thing you'll ever do. It's not a health trend, right? It's it it's not. It is way more important. I'm not saying those things don't matter. They're great. Do whatever other stuff you want to do later. But you have to deal with this one first on its own, because this is the biggest thing you'll ever do, because it underpins everything. It's all about coming back to who you are. And people who've been drinking too much almost always don't like themselves very much. That's the truth of it. We don't like ourselves because how can we? We're not authentic when we're putting poison into ourselves. And so it's it's massive, both physically and emotionally. And when you can kind of get your head around that, the importance of it, then you can give it the attention it deserves. And it really does deserve your all of your attention. Yeah, I, would I say totally to people, agree. Non-negotiable. It has to be non-negotiable. Yeah. And I think that also when you try to combine the health kick or the vegan or the, you know, whole 30 with trying to stop drinking, to some extent, it sets you up to fail because yeah. stopping drinking is is hard enough on its own. And yeah. like you said, you need to make that your main priority. But not only that, I did a number of different, you know, diets throughout the year that removed alcohol. And pretty much I was like, oh, I'll get skinny and I won't drink. This will be fabulous. And I found that it really took the emphasis off for me, the not drinking. The emphasis was the health kick or the diet. And there is a lot of emotional work around your identity and how you cope Perfect. tied to alcohol. And it, if you're tying it with something else, you don't get to do that work. No, that's absolutely right. I, it's one of the things that I, I you know, I, I talk about a lot in the Sober Club is this whole idea of needing to step into this new identity of who you really are. Most of us, we're, you know, we don't have that level of um, emotional intelligence if we've been drinking sometimes since we're teenagers it's like a lot of years 
And and actually, we're, we're, we don't know how to handle a lot of stuff because we've never had to do it without the haze of booze. So when you're suddenly faced with whatever's going on, um, it can feel very unsettling, very wobbly. Um, I, I was like a, it, I was on a roller coaster of emotions for the first few few months, really quite raw and chaotic. You know, I now know there were things I could have done to make that a lot easier. But in a way, I'm glad I went through it the hard way because now I can help more people because I, you know, I recognize it. Um, but I think it can be a real thing for people because, you know, it, it frees up more time, a lot more time. You know, I've had sober club members say to me, I've actually realized I don't have anything in my life drink was my only yeah. thing how yeah. frightening is that I don't have anything you know um and then people who have who are really nervous about how it's going to affect their relationships if their partner is their drinking buddy and there's really not much else that sticks them together as it were um that's really scary for people so this is all this kind of uh, negotiating and navigating that you have to do in the kind of first year of sobriety all the firsts you know the first time you go on holiday the first, you know and etc so I do think it takes some time, but it's a fabulous experience. You know, it's 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 unusual for sure, because you really are learning. You're actually finding out who you are. And m- most people, I would say probably everyone gets to actually like themselves because they get to find out who they really are. And, you know, people who are sober are more kind. You know, as a general rule, um, they're more open hearted, they're more kind, they're more compassionate because they've been there, done it. They know how it feels to be to be numbed by by booze you know so um so yeah it's it, it's absolutely massive it's funny because on the one hand you think about you know stopping drinking you think well so all you're doing is not doing something <laughs> so how can that be so massive but of, of course it's 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 way more than that i always say it's simple but it's not easy exactly right that exactly. what you have to do is simple and so much of what you were saying resonated with me. And, and you know, I thought of a, a bunch of different things to talk about. But you mentioned stopping being numb and having all the emotions come up. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I love that Glennon Doyle wrote was she compares early sobriety to recovering from frostbite. Yeah. And like all of a sudden the feelings start, you know, coming up like tingles and then they're daggers, right? So anger, regret, sadness, insecurity, like suddenly you're feeling it all. But yeah. it is how you come back to being alive and and your coping tools get stronger. It's just in the early days, everything's so raw. You feel like you're walking around without your outer layer of skin. Exactly it, exactly it. I, I remember, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I really did. I felt as though everyone could see my, my you know, it was, it was like a, everyone could see me as if I was an x-ray. I felt so yeah. raw and exposed. Um, you're right. And I've really done a lot of work of, of, on this over the last couple of years because I think it, you know, it, it is such a massive part of stepping into your identity. I think really we're not very good at embracing all of our emotions. We kind of want to compartmentalize everything. And, you know, if we're feeling happy, well, that's good. But if we're feeling, you know, envious or, or, or sad or anxious, that's not good. Let's get rid of that straight away. Wow. And when we no longer have the ability to just simply quickly numb it with booze, you know, our sort of inner toddler has a little bit of a, of a, of a tantrum and says, well, this isn't okay. I don't want to be feeling this, this way. Of course, if we could, you know, teach kids from a very early age, you know, 
all emotions are welcome. Let's just see what's going on, you know. And I did a, a podcast with a, a fabulous woman called Carla McLennan. I don't know if you're aware of her work. Fantastic work around, emb- literally around embracing all emotions. Oh. And the fact that every emotion has something to teach us. And she wrote a great book called Embracing Anxiety. And she talks about anxiety as, I forget her expression. She has a fabulous expression to describe it, which I can't remember. But along the lines of, you know, it's welcome because it's your opportunity to look at where the overwhelm is. It's, she, she says anxiety is almost always linked to overwhelm. Yes. So here's your opportunity to take a fresh look at, at, at that, you know. Um, and, and when you can kind of accept that all of us have all of these emotions and they're all okay. Mm-hmm. So let's just accept them and sit with it and then decide, okay, from here, well, so in this moment, am I safe? Obviously, that's the most important one. But in this moment, am I safe? Or are there actually tigers or a fire? Obviously, if there are, run. But otherwise, if in this moment I'm safe, let's just sit with that emotion and ask what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas, of course, for years, what we did was, you know, feel a bit upset about something and then go, oh, my goodness, how do I deal with this? You know, the unconscious mind says, well, obviously, you just numb it out right now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, over time, it gets easier. In the yeah. early weeks, every single thought becomes a big episode <laughs> of having to kind of re- remember that we are not our thoughts, that we can actually t- pause and, yeah. and decide, make a decision. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy, but one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash someday. Well, and you know what's interesting? I think, you know, I know for me, but also for a lot of other women that I work with, when you feel anger, resentment, or any negative emotion, like you said, jealousy, mm-hmm. we're kind of taught that it is not good to express yes, exactly. those emotions. Yeah. So we drink, you know, instead of challenging yeah. someone or talking to someone, we don't want to, we want to avoid confrontation, a lot yes, of us. exactly. And then what happens is we wake up in the morning and we turn all those negative emotions on ourselves. We blame ourselves because we drank, because we're hungover, because we're low. And so it's just this cycle when in actuality, you probably are very justified in feeling the way you do. And usually it means a boundary needs to be established. Exactly. I think that's one of the most amazing things about sobriety, one of the most amazing benefits that I had not foreseen at all was the ability 
to be able to be much more balanced in our approach to to everything, much more balanced when it comes to conflict, much more balanced when it comes to, as you say, boundaries definitely helps you become a better parent. I mean, definitely. And as I say before, it helps you become a kinder person Mm -hmm. because, you know, you are able to see the, the, the shadow side as well. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I never have a hissy fit, never, you know, have a, have a big old shout, but you know, if I'm in the wrong, I'll apologize. Yeah. And at least when you get really frustrated, you know, that is literally how you feel. Not, I mean, drinking like exacerbates all of your emotions and makes you angrier, sadder, you know, just phrase that somebody once said to me once, oh, and it made me furious. They said, um, oh, that's the wine talking. Oh, I was furious. But of course they were right. Yeah. They were right. You know, you become a different person when you're drinking. Well, of course you do because it's poison, right? Um, And when you no longer have that in your system, then you're able to make um, your decisions um, and and everything in your relationships is, um, it just becomes just more balanced really. Well, I know you're really into holistic living and all the tools. And so if Mm. someone's listening to this and in that stage of having numbed their emotions for so long Mm. and not, you know, it's overwhelming to feel them when you take away the alcohol, what are some tools or tips that you have for people on how to get through that and how to Mm. sort of soften it? Yeah. So I think it's super important to, to have your sober toolkit, you know, as I call it. And you know what I mean by that? There are a few components to it, but I think number one, it's mega important to eat well. And I know, you know, it's probably not what you were asking, but, but it actually does underpin it all because the brain chemistry when you first stop drinking is all over the shop. You know, your dopamine, your GABA, your serotonin, your body is probably thinking, what the hell? is going on now seriously what's going on I can't sleep I'm not feeling happy like you know if you sort of think of it from the perspective of your brain cells what um so we have to put back some of those um helpful um brain chemicals as it were and the best way to do that is through food if you want to help balance that brain chemistry then do it through really good nutrition and I'm just talking about real food so which is why you can't be dieting at the same time or doing any kind of fast or anything fatty at all you need three meals a day and protein with every meal proper nutrient-dense food it's so important so and I find that hunger is the number one biggest trigger exactly exactly so often we're not we're not really wanting a drink at all we're just hungry yeah and so what I recommend is you know right before the witching hour for me it was before I left the office to have a snack with protein right then so you don't drive home hungry yeah, right exactly. and then passing the wine shop <laughs> yeah. yeah oh my gosh exactly that's a great one so yeah so you know having food the health you know healthy snacks as you say you know a, a green smoothie when you know it, it is always going to work because it's going to go straight to the cells uh, literally for you feel like you've been plugged in if you have a fabulous green smoothie and nobody but nobody fences alcohol after that right <laughs> so that's you know that's another good tip nutritionally um i'm a really big fan of alcohol free drinks um by that i mean grown up drinks so not you know i don't want coke or orange juice because i'm not 12 right yeah. i want a nice drink in a nice glass and and so I, you know, my mantra is keep the ritual, change the ingredients. So, you know, if you usually have a drink with your partner in an evening or you go 
go and see your parents and you have a drink with them, then keep that ritual. Rituals are important to us, but have a lovely glass and have something alcohol free in it. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible not to find something you like. It's not physically possible not to, because the choice is huge. Yeah. Everything from tonic waters, kombuchas, you know, through to alcohol free beer and wine and fears and botanicals and everything in between. Yeah. Um, so I do think that's important. And I've had a lot of clients that will say to me, oh, no, I don't need to worry about that. I'm good with my tea. I'm, I'm good. Cup of tea. Fine. I say, well, let's wait and see. Yeah. And then the very first time they're at some something celebratory, the their little inner toddler starts saying, "Well, this is really rubbish," because they're all celebrating with a lovely grown-up drink, and I've got a crap cup of tea. And so then it all kicks off, you know. Whereas if you've prepped in advance and you've got a lovely glass of something grown up, then you're you're good to go. So it's it's really you have to do the prep. You have to have that ready in your sober toolkit, you know. I totally um, agree. I actually love when you say keep the ritual, yeah, change, change the ingredients. ingredients. Because I mean, I'm a huge fan of non-alcoholic beer. I also love sort of groovy prosecco and bubbly rose, and there's so much else. But you know, it's true, like Friday night in the summer. We're hanging out around the fire pit. Like I bring out an athletic brewing company beer. It hits the spot, right? Yeah, it has the completely. same taste, the same yeah. can, yeah. you get the same hit. And, yeah. you know, I love non-alcoholic mojitos. They're amazing. Yeah. So, you know, you can really enjoy, you know. Absolutely. And these are not addictive in case yeah. anyone's thinking, oh, my God, but with my addictive personality, I'll get addicted to those. I thought that at first. I thought, oh, my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the only person addicted. To... But it doesn't happen. Yeah. Why? Because they're not addictive. It's as simple as that. You know, I, I don't, I'm not addicted to alcohol-free drinks any more than I'm addicted to kiwi fruit. You know, yeah. I like a kiwi fruit, but I don't need to join a group about it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I think that the nutrition piece and the being prepped with the right snacks and drinks is a, a, a super important part of this. Yes. Um, I think um, making sure that you are, that you have um, some kind of, spirituality or inspirational outlet of some kind and by that what I mean is you know it's important to be immersed in this stuff we were talking about you know quitlet books and and podcasts and audio meditations and whatever it is whatever floats your boat but get immersed in this stuff because if you don't you will be on your own with your thoughts Mm -hmm. and you will very quickly find that a little voice in your head will say I know you would had a couple of months sober, but oh, what the hell, you know, it won't, you know, whatever the voice says to you. Whereas if you can constantly be reminded that life is better, life is better without the booze, it's that positive sobriety piece. Yeah. And start to consider what else could be there for me? You know, what other layers can I unwrap when I've done this? It can start to feel very exciting. So I think that's a key piece. Um, journaling is a brilliant thing to do, you know, literally physically writing things down with a pen and paper, you know, old style. Um, Louise Hay has, you know, this the fantastic phrase, you can't clean, uh, you can't uh, clean the house till you can see the dirt. So we actually do have to get this stuff out. And journaling is one of the quickest, easiest ways to do it. Just write three pages in the morning of stream of consciousness stuff. Just dump your thoughts down. And actually, even that can be quite hard for some people to do because they've probably never done it before. They've never actually allowed their thoughts to come from a 
some dark place out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything with it. Don't have to edit it or read it or post it. You just get it out. And some kind of magic happens when you do that, because even the thoughts that you didn't want to have to think, yeah, you, you've committed for three minutes. I'm just going to write down every thought that comes into my head, even if the thought is I can't think of anything. OK, write that down. Yeah, it's it's it can be amazingly healing in the first few weeks of sobriety to do that. It's almost like a form of meditation. Just do that brain dump and just just see what happens. Yeah, it can be quite magical. So that kind of inspiration, spirituality, whatever you want to call it, obviously meditation. If you if you but a lot of people find they can't meditate at the beginning. I certainly couldn't when I was drinking. So that's that's a, a build up for a lot of people. Um, and then, of course, the really, really important one is connection. And and I just don't think this is possible without connection with like-minded people. We really need people who have been there, done it, got the T-shirt. And again, I'll have clients sometimes who'll say to me, I don't really need to you know, join the sober club or find a tribe of any kind because um, my my partner's really supportive. He He has an off switch, so he doesn't drink too much. So I'm so lucky. It's all good. And then you find, you know, a little way down the line, they'll be having a bad day or feeling a little bit wobbly. And said partner will say to them, you know what, you're doing so well. I'm so proud of you. So you've got it now. So you can just have one, just have one with me. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't get it. So to be part of a community where people absolutely know what you've been through, but even if you're a year, two years sober, three years sober, they're cheerleading you on to the next thing you're doing. That's what's really magical, I think, about when people, like-minded people, are sober. It doesn't matter what stage they're at. They, they, they really cheerlead each other's successes. Yeah, because they get how they, hard they get how it, big is, it is, how exactly. fragile you are. Like, I know. oh, my God, 14 exactly. days, that's incredible. Yeah, and exactly. Also, like, don't drink on day 30. You're just through the worst part. Like, exactly. keep on going. And even people who, you know, we've had people in the sober club who I remember this one woman who'd been sober for something like about 18 months. But then she was about to go on a long haul flight. And suddenly, oh, my goodness absolute triggers like you couldn't believe because of course airports are weird places where where you're you're forced to drink right whatever time (laughs) of day it is and she just had this massive wobble and was able to kind of post in our community and she just got such love chucked at her you know literally just said oh come on sweetheart go to this place and order yourself and get a nice glass put some ice in it and have a lovely tonic and make sure they put a lemon in for you and you know and then check back in and uh, and she was just literally kind of love bombed, really, yeah. um, into recognizing, of course, she could do this. Of course, it was fine. And it was. Mm-hmm. But without that support and that kind of um, cheerleading, it probably would have been different. Yeah. And I also think that we're surrounded by such a boozy culture yeah. um, where drinking is pushed and rewarded, just immersing yourself in any community where people want to be alcohol free or are alcohol free and are talking about the health benefit and the personal transformation they're going through. And yeah, it's aspirational, isn't it? It's lovely. It's lovely. See, actually aspiring to, you know, we've we've all got someone ahead of us and someone behind us and that's fantastic. And when we can aspire 
I love seeing the transformations people have. It's just amazing. People do things that they never would have dreamed they, they would have done. One, one of my sober club members um, has uh, done, just done a writing course. She's doing a degree in writing. And she just said, I, I cannot, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. I would never have done anything like that. Yeah. You know, others, one woman saved enough money from not drinking to buy a camper van so she can go traveling. You become brave when you ditch the booze. Yeah. And your life actually gets bigger. We all think that yeah. our life is going to get smaller if yeah. we stop drinking, but drinking actually keeps you, you know, when you mentioned that one of the women said, oh my gosh, I have nothing in my life yes. because drinking yeah. was my main activity. Keeps you small. Yeah. I, it does keep you small. It keeps you sort of, you know, a lot of my nights were me on my couch having a party by myself on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, And then you do yeah. have all this time and more energy to say, yeah. okay, what do I want to do? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, we could go on forever, couldn't we? About oh, I know. <laughs> well, so tell me about your book and sort of the approach you take and, and how it helps people. Yeah. So I, I, I wrote the book, uh, Happy, Healthy, Sober, Ditch the Booze and Take Control of Your Life. And it, um, well, I mean, the title is really important, you know, the ditch the booze part, because I never use the phrase giving up, as we alluded to before, because you're not giving anything up. And and I really wanted to include, you know, happy, healthy, sober, because it is important for that to have that emotional well-being piece. And it is important to be healthy. And so I, you know, for me, as I've, you know, been queen of optimum health and well-being, for me, it all now fits together. It didn't before, but it now it does. And so I, I really want to encourage everyone to, to live their best life, li literally whatever that means for you. But what I've found is that if you start with ditching the booze, it's got to be the most important thing. You know, it really has. It's no point in coming to me and saying, well, I might ditch the booze, but right now, can you help me lose weight? No, <laughs> no, I can't. And neither can you because you don't like yourself. So let's start there. Right? Um, so I think, you know, once you ditch the booze, then almost everyone starts to become really interested in all the other pieces. Because how will you not? You know, once you start to like yourself and you, you can start to focus on self-care, of course you want to think about what you're putting in your body. Of course you want to care about the environment and what you're putting on your skin. So one thing follows on from the other. And in the Sober Club, we love kind of bringing in a whole lo load of other stuff as well. So we, we we do everything. We've got kind of someone doing breathing techniques with us, a shaman doing movement. We've got an, somebody does angel cards. We we bring in all kinds of stuff. Everyone laughs and goes, oh, my goodness, I only came here. So I was talking about not drinking and look at me now. I've gone woo-woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I was telling you about the book. So the book is, is really a culmination of everything. So we have a, a whole a very big section on literally how to ditch the booze and how your brain works and the cravings and the mindset and and the nutritional piece and how you can really piece together the the first um sort of six six weeks really and then the the second section of the book is absolutely huge and the good news is it's not just me I've got loads of amazing experts who've contributed sections so, you know, there's everything in there from um, nutrition and that there are, I've got some doctors contributing. Um, there's a section on the menopause uh, written by a doctor, um, a section on um, mindset and spirituality and meditation and yoga, um, fitness. I mean, everything, you name it, if it's linked to holistic well-being, um, we've covered it in the book. So it's a, a bit of a lifestyle Bible, really, yeah. but with the overriding message that 
all of this is there for you for the taking, you know, for you to live your best life, whatever that means for you. Um, if you get free from the alcohol trap. Yeah. And I've seen that like a lot of women are like, well, I'm unhappy with my job or I'm unhappy with my partner or whatever it is. If you get rid of the alcohol, then you do some work on yourself, honestly, because you have to, it, you know, that was your main coping mechanism, you know, a horrible toxic one that was making you more anxious and depressed, but still that was what you used. And when you take that away, you have to do some work on boundaries, you, do, yeah. and, you yeah. know, how to calm yourself and how to manage emotions. And then everything else changes. I found that once I stopped drinking, my job was significantly easier than it was when I was drinking. I had a lot less resentment towards it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I had clarity to say, is this what I want in my mm -hmm. life? And if not, sort of the confidence to change it, which I didn't before, I was barely yeah. making it through my days. I felt like anything was going to blow me over. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, interestingly you know it can be one of the things that stops people that makes people afraid of, of stopping drinking because somewhere deep down they know that if they do they're going to have to take a fresh look at their the relationship they're in or the career they're in or the job they're doing, whatever and and they're so nervous of doing that that it it makes them not quit as it were but what is almost always the case is that once you actually get through that hard bit and focus just on that as you say, you become much more resilient and much yeah. more confident. And from that place, you're, you have such clarity over what it is you, you want. And that may not mean everything's easy or, you know, everything's not sort of unicorns and rainbows, is it, right away? But you are able to, um, to just deal with whatever you need to deal with in a much more balanced way. Much, there's much less drama when you're sober. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you're a much Life fairer person, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, sometimes relationships end. You know, I had um, uh, one of my clients, her relationship, she did realize that it was time to end her relationship. Um, but she now looks back and she says, my God, I can't believe it. I, she did the whole thing so amicably, remained friends, no money in lawyer's fees, because just all done, you know, in an unbelievably grown up way. And she says, you know, if that had been when I'd been drinking, oh, my God, it would have been a different picture. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've heard you say is it doesn't really matter how much you drink, because mm. a lot of women are like, OK, well, I drink two or three glasses a night. I never finish the bottle or I only drink on the weekends, but I drink way more than I want to. And tell me why you if someone's listening to this, if someone's questioning their drinking or debating whether it's serving them, why mm. doesn't it matter how much they're drinking? Mm. Well, I think, you know, many of us have been through um, stages where we've Googled, am I an alcoholic? Am I drinking too much? How much is too much? Right. Mm. Now, there is no answer to any of those questions. And, and, and unfortunately, well, we think there is an answer because an answer will come back. You know, it will come back. Well, you'll Google it and it will say, do you need alcohol to get going in the morning? I.e., are you drinking at 10 a.m.? And you go, oh, thank God, that's not me. Oh, thank God for that. I'm good. All right. Off I go. And this is what keeps us stuck. I remember for years and years and years, if I ever saw a GP or a therapist or a practitioner for anything, 
um, for any reason, whatever it was, if I felt safe with them, I might at the end of the consultation, whatever it was for, I might have gone in for a, I don't know, a, a plaster or something and a problem with my toe. I remember I had once, <laughs> but at the end of the appointment, I I felt confident enough to just say to the GP, actually, there was one other thing. Um, you know, do you mind if I just share with you that I'm actually worried about my drinking? And of course, her answer was, her, you know, answer was, well, how much are you drinking? You know, you look fine. How much are you drinking? So obviously I lied. I mean, everyone lies, right? <laughs> so I said, you know, oh, well, two glasses a night, three, you know, sometimes four. And of course, she just sort of said, well, seems completely normal to me. Just have an alcohol-free day every now and then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Unbelievable. And so she literally gave me carte blanche to carry on drinking. So I walk <laughs> away thinking, well, thank God for that. I'm good. And that kept me stuck for years, years. Yeah. What she actually needed to say to me was, oh, my God, well done you. You've actually recognized something. Let me signpost you to where you can find out about how great your life's going to be when you stop this. Right. And research. But they don't know, right? do they? Yeah. yeah. They don't know. And she was probably drinking herself, of course. Yes. Yeah. So, so what I always say to people is it doesn't matter how much you drink, really. Um, what matters is you ask, instead of asking, am I drinking too much? Ask yourself the question, could my life be better physically and emotionally without alcohol? And a little voice somewhere will, will probably, if you listen to this, will say, hell yes, yes, it would. In which yeah. case, quit. Yeah. That's it, really. It's could your life be better? And, you know, I, you know, I always say to people who talk about moderation, you know, like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not drinking too much and I'm, I don't want to stop. I just want to, I just want to not drink Wednesdays or I just want to, you know, it, like, why would you want poison just on Tuesdays or whichever day? It's poison, right? Why would you want that? And I just don't believe that if it's a thing for you, it's a thing. You know, what, what I mean by that is people who genuinely do have an off switch, who are genuinely moderate drinkers, there are some. Um, it's not a thing. They wouldn't be listening to this podcast. They won't be reading the books. They will never Google, am I drinking too much? Yeah. Any more than I will ever Google, I'm worried about my kiwi fruit eating. Because, yeah. you know, I had one yesterday and, you know, if there's one in the house, I might even make a kiwi fruit salad tomorrow. Yeah. But then I'm not going to have another one for six months or I don't care. It's not a thing. But if it's a thing for you, then quit. Yeah. Hi there. If you're listening to this episode and have been trying to take a break from drinking, but keep starting and stopping and starting again, I want to invite you to take a look at my on-demand coaching course, the Sobriety Starter Kit. The Sobriety Starter Kit is an online self-study sober coaching course that will help you quit drinking and build a life you love without alcohol, without white knuckling it or hating the process. The course includes the exact step-by-step -step coaching framework I work through with my private coaching clients but at a much more affordable price than one-on-one -on -one coaching. And the Sobriety Starter Kit is ready, waiting, and available to support you anytime you need it. And when it fits into your schedule, you don't need to work your life around group meetings or classes at a specific day or time. This course is not a 30-day challenge or a one-day-at-a-time approach. Instead, 
It's a step-by-step -step formula for changing your relationship with alcohol. The course will help you turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst case scenario to the best decision of your life. You will sleep better and have more energy. You'll look better and feel better. You'll have more patience and less anxiety. And with my approach, you won't feel deprived or isolated in the process. So if you're interested in learning more about all the details, please go to www.sobrietystarterkit.com. You can start at any time, and I would love to see you in the course. Yeah. And, you know, get support to do it, right? Absolutely. You don't have to do this alone or white knuckle it, or as you said, stay in, you know, by yourself in your own mind debating, yeah. you know, that. I mean, I tried that exhausting. so many times. Yeah. I tried it so many times. When I think back, I really did try. And I did stop drinking, actually. I remember, um, gosh, probably 10, 12 years ago, I, um, I did a juice retreat. And obviously, during the juice detox, I didn't drink. And then I thought, you know what? This feels good. I, I, I won't drink. I'd, I'd read a book, I think, about um, the kind of logic about how bad alcohol is for you. Um, so I, I thought, well, this is not, you know, alcohol's not good for me. I'll carry this on. I'm, I'm feeling good. And I actually didn't drink for about six, maybe even six months. And then uh, I was at a party and there was only you know champagne or something and literally the voice in my head said well you haven't got a problem and everyone's drinking champagne and of course it's that's champagne is glamorous and you don't have any issue so obviously yeah. you're going to have champagne and then I was straight back down the slippery slope you know and I you know I realize now that I I had a little bit of the logic at that point you know that alcohol is bad but I didn't have any of the emotional piece I didn't have any of the motivation to recognize that life was so much better without any. Yeah. So as soon as that trigger came in, I had nothing to carry me through. No connections, no support, no, no one challenging the, you know, that, that voice. That narrative. Um, so yeah. yeah, straight, straight back down the booze elevator. Well, and also you sit there and, and the, as you said, the right question would be, well, is my life better over the last six months than it yeah. was when I was drinking? Yeah, exactly. But you'd, you'd need to be aware to even ask yourself that question. Yeah. And I, and I, I wasn't, I really wasn't. I was, it yeah. was just, I was treating it the way you treat a diet or something, you know? Yeah. I hadn't, I, I wasn't fully immersed in this potential of who I could be, this, this sober identity, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think catching sight of, of your own potential is so important. And it really should be sort of a transformational time and a, a self time of self-awareness and self-care. And, you know, as you said, if you just remove the alcohol, but don't do yeah. any of the work at your identity and why drinking is important to you and the people you surround yourself with and your beliefs about its value all of that, it is easy to go back to it. And once yeah. you kind of are like, I've learned about what alcohol does to you both physically and emotionally. And I'm also doing all these things that I never would have even had the clarity to think about. 
when I was drinking, because I was too sort of fuzzy, numbed out, hungover, busy, then, you know, then you get to move forward. Yeah. And I think keeping a note of all of that's really important, you know, yeah. actually noting down the benefits because it can be easy to forget. Well, and that's Always part kind. of the journaling, right? Yeah, like exactly. how do you feel in the early yeah. days? Keep that, keep that gratitude list, you know, of, of, of write down the tiny things that happened. So not gratitude lists like, you know, I'm grateful for my home, but some really specific tiny details, you know, that, that, that you notice that that you notice that you behaved slightly differently with the colleague at work who normally winds you up, you know, or you yeah. notice that actually it really lifted your spirits when you saw the flowers starting to bloom. Tiny things mm-hmm. are what you start to notice when you when you when you're not drinking. And you start to notice these little blessings and, and they really add up because you sure as hell don't notice that stuff when you're drinking. Yeah. Yeah, or like waking up Sunday morning and oh stretching my God. Wake, and fresh. Waking up sober never gets tired, does it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Every I, single day. I do, well, I love the way you look at this from a place of positivity and everything that you gain from not drinking. And so tell us a little bit about your podcast before we go. Yeah. So Alcohol Free Life has been going for Gosh, yeah, two years, I think now. Is it something like that? I can't actually remember. A uh, long time now. Um, and um, yeah, I loved doing podcasts. I started the podcast because I was loving listening to podcasts and it made such a difference to me to be able to listen to podcasts that I thought, oh my goodness, I think I'll start my own, you know, as I work in radio. And I had no idea if anyone would listen or not. And I thought, well, I'll just do a couple and just see. Um, but of course, I, I am lucky in that I'm able to get amazing guests. So I, you know, I had Catherine Gray and Annie Grace on and Jason Vale and just loads of amazing people and lots of sober heroes. And uh, um, and so, yeah, it's just it's gone from strength to strength. I love doing it. It's a bit of a labor of love, as you know, yes. <laughs> quite hard work sometimes keeping it going. I never have a week off like ever. Um, so, yeah, it's quite exhausting. But um, but I love doing it. And, and um, you know, now obviously I've got the book out as well. So and I run the sober club. So, yeah, it is very much my my raison d'etre is trying to get across this positive message because I still think you know there is when people talk about quitting booze there is still this huge negativity attached to it I I heard an ad on the radio uh just today actually uh linked to the whole dry January thing and and I can't remember the exact words but it was along the lines of oh my goodness January is such a long month and how much longer till you can have a drink, but never mind, buy this, whatever it is, you know, whatever, chocolate sweets, I can't remember what it was, to cheer you up. And this, and that is the kind of zeitgeist feeling that, oh, without booze, everything's terrible. Absolute nonsense. Literally the opposite is true. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Well, so if people want to learn more about the work you do, your podcast, what's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, just go to thesoberclub.com and everything is there. It's, uh, there's a, a blogs and competitions and the podcast is there and uh, everything else. And there's a, a membership part of it, if anyone's interested in that, which is a huge member portal full of um, content and a, and a kind of a, a, a group as well um, and an online course. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. And I'm on social media. I'm very easy to find at yeah. Janie Lee Grace. Perfect. Well, I have loved this conversation. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. It's lovely to chat to you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.